Hello, my name is Colleen Getty, and I'm with The Room to Write, and you're watching the Journey of a Story series. Today we're welcoming illustrator writer Dirk Teedy. Welcome, Dirk. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. And uh, so we're going to sort of start out just painting a picture of you in your studio or your corner of the room, wherever that might be. <laughs> and so kind of just tell us how a real writer, illustrator uh, writes and illustrates. Well, um, so I kind of have two workplaces. Uh, I have a studio in my house. It's a mm -hmm. bedroom set aside where I actually have a drawing table and I have my computer set up and all my equipment and drawing supplies and whatnot. And that's where I do my drawing. So when I'm working on the comics, that's where I'm doing it. Or if I'm working on a painting or an illustration or something, that's where I work. Uh, but if I'm writing, I write on the couch <laughs> and with my laptop. I just have a little corner. And my, my wife calls it my nest. <laughs> kind of gets filled up with papers and things. Uh, and I tend to write there. I also write sometimes at the coffee shop. But uh, yeah, I just work out of my house. Okay. And so do you always write on a laptop or do you ever I go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a lot of notes by hand a notebook paper, you know, and I'm first jotting down ideas. Um, I also do like journaling and stuff, so I'll, I'll do that on paper and then I'll transcribe it. But once I'm actually writing scripts, um, I'll, I pretty much just do that on the laptop. Okay. Um, and so when you, journaling is something I just want to pull out of that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, because I think a lot of times people think, oh, journals are just sort of, you're writing down, dear diary, I oh. <laughs> you know, went to the store today. Uh, but maybe talk a little bit about it's, how journaling it's kind and of a, what journaling is and how that helps. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just a brain dump. It's like whatever am I thinking about or feeling about on a particular day, mm -hmm. especially if I'm like really stirred up about something. I'll, right. I'll just sort of like write down my thoughts. Um, it's, it, it's not that dissimilar from when I'm writing for like a story. I'm just sort of like examining the contents of my brain, <laughs> just okay. sort of like looking at what's in there and just it kind of comes out, you know. Not exactly hearing voices, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, a much, much less clinical version of that. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping yourself from hearing voices. <laughs> kind of, yes, exactly, exactly. It helps keep me sane. But uh, also if I'm thinking about a project or if I'm like kind of ruminating about, oh, like, like I'm working on marketing stuff right now. So mm -hmm. I'm like writing down some thoughts about that or whatever. Whatever happens to be in my head in the morning. Or okay. if I just have something bustling around in my brain or if I have a cool dream or something right but you know it's not really like dear diary today I did this I mean, I mean sometimes it might start I mean it started out uh, I started doing it uh, seven years ago or something and I just sort of would try to sit down every morning and like basically fill a page 15 okay. 10 15 minutes and just see what came out of my head and it's turned I don't do it every day but right. I try to do it and it does kind of keep the mental gears limber Right, and so it almost sounds like it serves two purposes. One is sort of the uh, the writing, clearing of the throat, almost getting whatever junk on, you know, maybe something that's intruding your creative process mm -hmm. off of your mind, mm -hmm. and then also maybe serving as a, a, a resource for ideas that might just show up there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right. I, mean, it's, I, I kind of view it as, as much as like a, a health practice as, as a writing practice. Yeah. So I'm a big journal advocate. Uh, so you're, you've journaled, you've done a few ideas, and then do you take that to your computer, and then what do you do first? Now you're the first illustrator writer we've right. talked to, so do you write? Do you illustrate I, first? It or? pretty much, well, 
The process kind of can go back and forth. Um, usually, it, it always starts with an idea. Um, and so for a story or a character or something, I'll have something beam in. Uh, kind and of, how does it beam in? It just kind of appears as an image in my mind's eye. You know, okay. and I could just be driving down the street, you know, on my way somewhere or walking or in the shower or working out or something and, and you know, an idea will come. Okay. And, uh, and then I'll end up sort of building, accumulating ideas and that's the sort of thing I'll turn into a story and then I'll either write, I, like for Paradigm Shift, for instance, my, my graphic novel series, it started out, I mean, it has, I mean, it really goes back to like high school days, but when the, its current form, I started writing it out as notes while I was taking the train into work every day. Mm -hmm. And so I had a, these ideas for some scenes, and I just kind of wrote them up in kind of like quick note form in, in a notebook. And okay. that ended up serving as the basis for an outline. So you took those notes and then you did a written outline or do you do storyboarding from, or how's that Yeah, work? from that point I, I, would, I started like drawing characters and sketches and trying to figure out well, what do these characters look like. Right. And um, I also, since I, at the time I was living in Chicago and I was get, the reason I started writing it down was I was getting inspired by some of the places in town. I was mm -hmm. actually like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if there was a scene here. Mm. Um, and so I also went and like took pictures around the area and like started to draw some sketches while I was still oh. working on the outline. And then um, I wrote a, the first book of this actually, I actually started drawing it first in a couple of pages, but for the, for the rest of it, actually once I got a couple of pages in, I started writing a script. And from that point on, I pretty much have always written scripts first and then I'll start doing the, the artwork. And I, I work in sort of a process where I don't just immediately draw the finished thing. I'll, I'll do thumbnails, which are really kind of rough, quick versions, and then I'll do a rough, like a rough drawing over that. And then, okay. then you do a finished drawing, and then you do the inks, and then everything else. So, and that becomes like the illustration process. But that initial writing, you know, what we're talking about mm. here, script, my process now is definitely get a script ironed out. Um, and is a script like a movie script where you're having a character's name and yes. you know that sort of a script? Yes, it, it very much looks like I've basically taken a lot from movie scripts and I kind of think, I mean the stories kind of beam into my head like movies in my head. Mm -hmm. I always kind of joke it's like I have this TV channel in my brain <laughs> and when everything's right I'm sort of tuning into that and just watching and listening to what my characters are doing and all I'm doing is transcribing Fine. Uh, but, you know, that's sort of combined with working from an outline and other stuff, too. But I know that the reason I do this in the first place is that those stories kind of beam in and I just want to get them out. Right. Uh, and so I do always kind of think of it more like a film. Um, okay. uh, and so when you're writing it, are you writing in dialogue? Are you... Put, are you writing it just like a script, or do you get the dialogue down and then go back and put the setting it's, around it? Or uh, it's work? back and forth. So if you were to look at my scripts, um, the format is very similar to a movie script, but it's very like here's what happens. Like you know, I'll keep it in, and then sort of like a sentence, maybe two, if mm -hmm. there needs to be some sort of description. Okay. Uh, and then the carriage returns. They get a blank, and then if there's dialogue, then it's character you know, colon, dialogue. Mm. Um, and then I kind of imagine each of those, anything that's broken by a, a return is sort of a panel in the story. 
and then at the top of each page, I put the page number. Okay. So that's the main difference from a movie script. A movie script, you'd just be like, you know, here's the scene, you know, and then next scene, whatever. Right. Whereas I break it up into pages. I think about like what's going to be on this page. Okay. But I write it out. I don't write like panel one. I just write what happens and then and is that your process or is that like a, a regular process people use mine. for comic books yeah comics there's no set format for scripts i, I worked with a, a friend on a uh, another comic stranger and he wrote the script for it and it had some similarities to how i do it but mm -hmm. uh, he, he was very particular about panel one, page one, and then he would even write little notes about sort of the shape. He was thinking of what shape the uh, panel would appear on the page, like if it was right. long and thin or a big, you know, big panel that took up most of the page or okay. something. He was very specific, and I'm not. I, I, I'm just focusing on what are the characters saying, what are they doing, what's happening on this page. Right. Um, and then I just move on. Um, and write as many as I need for that scene or however many it feels right. And when you say panel, do you mean like those individual boxes? That's that the each... individual drawing on each page. Okay. So like, yeah, that's a panel. Um, so if you know, open up a classic Marvel superhero like from the 60s, there'd be like six drawings per page and each okay. of those would be a panel and maybe in a particular like straight grid okay. structure. But you know, I, I don't do that very often. I, okay. <laughs> my panels are all sorts of different sizes. And, and so, speaking of jargon, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you got some. You you can maybe tell me a little bit more about different types of jargon that are particular to writer, illustrator, comic books. Uh, what's the difference between a comic book, a graphic novel, manga, you know, or whatever other yeah. things are flying around in there? Maybe yeah. you can give us a quick little so tutorial. <laughs> yeah, so comic books are any form of visual storytelling where you're doing images and pictures together, and okay. it's bound together in a book as opposed to a, a strip, like a newspaper comic strip. And that's bound together in a book. And the classic comic book is a, a floppy, uh, we call floppies, but an issue. Which it's you know it's, it's like twenty twenty five pages and it's you know printed on paper and folded and then stapled together. Okay. Um, this is your classic comic book, um, and then a graphic novel. The only difference is is basically length. It's just a book length comic okay. or a novel length comic. Okay. Um, so you know once you start getting past fifty pages. You know, 100 pages, 200 pages. That's definitely a graphic novel, mm -hmm. even if it's a collection of issues or, right. um, you know, part of a continuing series or something. It's still a graphic novel because of the format. It's just the length. And then manga, in particular, is Japanese comics. That's just the Japanese word for comics. Mm -hmm. And so it has a particular look associated with it. And I happened, my work happens to be very. Uh, influenced by manga, kind of the large eyes and expressive faces, but then like hyper detailed like backgrounds and things. But it can vary up. Okay. Uh, a lot of manga tends to be aimed at uh, teens, at sort of a YA sort of young adult sort of focus. My, I, uh, I didn't particularly think of that when I wrote this, but I was sort of writing it for my 14-year-old self, so I guess it sort of counts. Okay. Um, and but that is your genre, right? Is well, yeah, adult. yeah. I sort of plug myself into sort of the YA space, mm -hmm. sort of what I kind of think of my work as now, especially. 
Um, I didn't think of it that way when I first started, but yeah. I think that's kind of where it fits these days. Um, but yeah, it's sort of that, so if you were to look at my artwork, you know, someone say, oh, it's kind of manga style. Well, that means I just was influenced by a lot of Japanese artists. Okay. And is that all the jargon in your uh, realm that well, people might Well, for that sort of, for that sort of stuff, definitely. I mean. And when you get into um, jargon, but <laughs> taking yeah. away from that yeah. uh, these days with technology and things, uh, I know that you had mentioned you were doing some research on sort of technology and what the influence is on culture these days. And oh, yeah. now, uh, graphic novel has definitely become much more popular than it's ever been. And I don't know if you want to kind of talk well, about that sort of space. I mean, I came in, I mean, I have an interest in that in part because my background was in Internet stuff. So when I was taking the train into work every day and writing the first snippets of what would become Paradigm Shift, I was doing a web design job, so I was at working for an internet company, and um, and then when I first started uh, to work on Paradigm Shift and drawing it, I decided to make a website for it, and it was actually 20 years ago, like this month, that I launched <laughs> that website, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, the um, so I've sort of I ended up putting it on the site, and then I ended up getting involved with web comics, uh, which were just putting comics online. Anybody put comics online, then they had a webcomic. And um, that's how I sort of got my start in the comics business. And so because of that, I've paid attention to um, sort of the trends that have happened um, over the years, because I was in the thick of it, especially for a long time. Um, but about eight years ago, you know, nine years ago is when like social media really started taking off. and a lot of the web that I was familiar with started changing and started feeling very different and, and sort of the character of what I was used to changed. Different um, in a good yeah. way or in a bad way? Or how uh, you... I, I found myself more and more uncomfortable in a lot of those spaces. Um, but at the same time, I was still like in it. Um, and then in uh, 2012, I sort of took a break. Uh, 2012. 2012, 2013, I, I put the comic on pause. You know, I had three books out. I was working on another one, but it wasn't really gelling for me. So I took a break. And then in the intervening years, I was sort of noticing all this stuff that was happening online. And there was like this Twitter shaming. And there yeah. was um, like this thing called Gamergate where like, like kids who, you know, and teenagers just, and, and young adults who were into video games were suddenly attacking like video game journalists who were women and it was like what is going on with mm. this stuff and and this was on top of the fact that I had felt kind of uncomfortable in these spaces and I was right. like what is going on with this but at the same time there was some cool stuff that was happening there was right. like the there was like the occupy movement that had been like assembled mm. online and there was anonymous which was a uh, a group of hackers who were using their skills for political like political purposes mm. like especially for like progressive causes and they and they ended up helping the people in the Arab Spring who were uprising up against their governments and like so there was this group of hackers that was like helping them out to like 
defy their Students. governments. And there was, there was like all this fascinating stuff. So right. it was like, at the same time I was seeing. So you started art there. And yeah. now you're, so, so you now know, now first was a, social media was helping to yeah. promote your art. And now And then I was seeing like, oh my God, it kind of exploded. It moved beyond just comics. And so that ended up being inspiration for a new story. Um, and mm -hmm. a story that I, I, I finished the script for uh, last year and now I'm shopping around. Uh, that's a science fiction story that got really, really uh, influenced by a lot of these things I was researching. And so now mm -hmm. I kind of keep an eye on these trends and right. follow authors who are writing about it. And I even teach a media literacy class in partly because okay. I've been doing this kind of research. So, right. Um, and through your writing, you're, you're wanting to connect with your readers. Uh -huh. In order to be able to do that, if it's a young population, you yeah. need to educate yourself on sort of the troubles and the excitements it, that they're dealing with exactly. online. Exactly. And, and even then, like now I'm working on like revamping my social media presence and trying to like become more familiar and comfortable in that space again. Mm -hmm. So even though it sort of changed on me and, and you know, as anyone who gets older, stuff changes and then you're like, oh, this is unfamiliar. I got to do figure out what to do with this, right. um, but instead of running away, I'm just kind of doing research and then now acting upon it. So. Right. Okay. So, so you, your, your ideas come in, you sort of <laughs> organize them almost like a movie. Yeah. Uh, and then how do you, you know, what's the process between when you get your ideas down and then you're polishing them up? Do you have a critique group or... Do you have um, particular resources or influences that help shape how it ends up, or, or what happens between that point? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always had friends who look at things for me. Um, back the first three books, I had a friend who played editor for me, so I'd always be sending her my scripts uh, ahead of time, and she'd look over them and give me feedback on them. And now I'm a part of a critique group who kind of do that like as a group and then I also have a couple friends who I, I lean on to to kind of show so my my scripts now will go through a couple of uh, editing rounds before I kind of feel they're ready to start drawing okay. um, so so yeah it's like try to do like two drafts if I can but yeah I definitely have people look at them and have some trusted co-creator types who mm -hmm. I trust the judgment and, and they can kind of like just go hey that you might want to work on that, or this is awesome. You really should just run with that. Right. <laughs> and so now you have two different mediums you're using. So mm -hmm. then how does that work in terms of your, some, you might have writers critiquing the writing, and then what about the artwork, and do you usually stick with whatever the artwork is and change the writing, or do you have to do both? Um, so I try to, like, hammer out as much of the story issues that I can in the writing first. Um, if I can and then from there then I go and do sort of a thumbnailing round so I'll do very quick drawings and then that sort of lets me see what I've written visually um, and then I can see oh this part isn't working as well as I thought it might and then I can have a chance to play around with it before I've spent much inve invested a lot of time in it and then uh, once I've done that at that point it's like I've gone through the story few times so it's had a few chances to be revised and then I'm a lot more ready to like just go ahead and just knock Get out the rest out. of the artwork. And have you done any writing without accompanying illustration or do you always do the both together? 
Uh, not for stories, really. I mean, I've done, I did some when I was young, like before, you know, like in high school, college, a bit, but, you know, a lot, some of which was like for class and whatnot. But I, and then I, I did try this current uh, science fiction graphic novel. It started out me thinking I might try writing it as a prose novel, maybe doing with illustrations, but, mm -hmm. uh, and when I first joined my critique group, I was bringing in like chapters of that. And I was realizing that, like, oh man, like, I feel like I know a lot about story and character and and whatnot, but prose is a very different craft <laughs> than than comics. So right. um, even though I could think very visually, I didn't have a lot of the tools in my tool belt to make it for like good reading <laughs> necessarily. I mean, the pacing might be good, or the dialogue might be good, but uh, you know, the idea like something that tr works in a movie like. You know, you get the big dramatic shot of the spaceship as it flies past you from the, you know, I'd have right. like, the way it would come out in prose would be this big info dump about like all the little things and, the, and then, you know, I'd bring it to my critique, critique group and I'd get back a comment like, who's seeing this? And I'm like, <laughs> does it matter? Can't it be omniscient? <laughs> but I mean, so it was things like that, right. that I wasn't thinking of. So eventually I just went back to writing comics. Right. <laughs> and so speaking of omniscient, what is the point? Is there a, sort of a, a trademark point of view for graphic novels, or uh, I think how of it like a work? movie. So I mean, I do so tend to follow particular characters. Um, so, but there are times when you need to cut away. So I mean, if you're watching a TV show, I mean, like like a classic X Files episode, for instance, it would almost always start with like the monster or whatever, and whoever the victim was, and. I totally borrowed that, you know, <laughs> um, and then, you know, that character get killed. But, I mean, that's how, you know, no spoilers. I mean, that's how Game of Thrones starts, too. So, right. you know, you have a point of view character who just, you know, who was only there for the one chapter. Right. Um, but I'm not limited by chapters. So I, I think in scenes instead of chapters. Right. Um, and I can change, you know, I, I'm like for Paradigm Shift in particular, I made a very distinct decision from the beginning to not go inside the characters' heads. So there's no thought balloons. And there's, there's just dialogue, there's just sound effects, there's just what you see. It's like a movie that way. Um, there's no narration boxes, no captions, nothing like that. So you, know, you just see what the characters hear and see. Okay. Um, so that was a distinct point of view decision. Right. With comics, I mean, you can get in characters' heads with thought balloons and captions right. and things. So. Uh, you know, it's not that dissimilar uh, right. from prose that way. Um, but like a movie, you can point the camera anywhere. Right. And what happens from panel to panel, you can either follow the same subject, you can move the camera and point it completely differently, you could have the camera travel thousands of miles between, between panels if you want. You know, here's mm -hmm. a shot you know, downtown Boston, and the next shot is on the moon, you know? <laughs> I mean, and depending on how, what your story you're trying to tell, you can, you can do that in comics, and you might even be able to go back and forth and juxtapose. Right. Uh, there's a particular scene in a uh, very, uh, a comic I loved as, uh, in high school, I'll still pull it out from time to time, um, it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> issue. And I loved it because the top 
four-fifths of the page was Leonardo, you know, the turtle with the swords, <laughs> running through the snow, trying to avoid all these ninjas and fighting them and just trying to, like, survive in the streets of New York on a snowy uh, winter you know, evening. And then on the bottom panel, like, just stretched across the whole page at the bottom, it would cut back to the other turtles and their friend April getting ready for Christmas. They were like hauling in the tree on one panel and this, you know, decorating it and somebody's cooking dinner, Christmas dinner. And like every page, there's, it's like this cut back to this mm. parallel thing that's happening. And that's, that would be something that would be really hard to pull off in prose. Right. But you can do it visually in comics. And so that's making me, I mean, knowing that graphic novels, I mean, I have four kids and they like to read everything, but they also like to read graphic novels, not necessarily like the comics, but, you know, yeah. a lot of books these yeah, days. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, but uh, is that the draw these days is because it is like a movie and because so many kids are tuned into videos and watching movies and watching television and shows that they almost don't have the patience for prose spelling it out for them, but, like, you're outlining that you can be here, you can be on the moon, and then you can be <laughs> yeah. uh, on the ground. Is, I, I wonder I if think, that's the draw. I think there is something to that. I mean, we, we are, as a culture, becoming more and more visual um, now that the mediums have become easier for people to create visual stuff. Mm. But that means it's all the more reason to be media and visually literate, um, to know what images you're choosing and what why what are you looking at and whatnot so I, I can definitely see that that might be a reason why comics are now becoming more popular and more widely read I mean I like to think that they're kind of a gateway drug to books in general so that I mean I love drawing comics but I don't I don't I only read some comics I mostly read I mostly read prose you know, I read nonfiction, I read novels. Mm. I'm influenced very much by these things. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, but I'm very choosy about what graphic novels and comics right. I read. So I, and I, I have particular things that I'm into. Um, you know, it's been a long time since I've had the monthly subscription at the local comic shop for a particular Marvel book, for instance. Right. I haven't done that since I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that always gets back to every writer I've talked to talks about you don't just write, you know, without reading first. Uh -huh. And so even, you know, you're you're writing graphic novels and yet you're taking you're consuming a lot more words necessarily than you're outputting, but yes. you needed to consume those words uh -huh. in order to create your own. Yeah. I, one of my favorite authors, William Gibson, uh was a cyberpunk uh sci fi author. Um he always talked about how you just got to put things in the hopper and then you never know what's going <laughs> to come out on the other end. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I, you know, I get as many ideas from novels as, as I do from movies, from right. comics. You know, I've kind of figured out what, I, what works for me in comics. And I'll still look for inspiration from our other artists. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, story-wise, I get my ideas everywhere and you know when I talk about like getting ideas from like a novel or a movie they're often like sort of like more of the technical craft ideas like, right oh that that was a particularly clever narrative device I wonder how I could you know oh that something like that might work for this scene or right something and like speaking that speaking of inspiration uh we're unfortunately towards the end yes. here <laughs> but I'd like for to offer you an opportunity to maybe talk a little bit 
for you know a closing remark on inspiring the audience of writers or writers in general and you know maybe with some advice you can leave them with or inspiration well I mean for me what has always worked is that um, ultimately it's always been about the joy of being able to like just sit down and like be with those characters in my mind it's like that it's, like it's daydreaming time essentially and so what over over the years I the important bit was to carve out that little bit of time you know started with me like taking notes on the on the train mm -hmm. you know you know I, I had twice a day you know for an mm -hmm. hour each way on the train to write out those notes and that that ended up helping me start into a story and then I took time after work to to work on that you know mm -hmm. I was in my 20s so I didn't have a lot of other responsibilities then so it was a good time to get started but uh, even then you know I wouldn't be able to produce all this work if I hadn't just taken time to carve out that little bit and it's time for me it's my time I get right. to uh, I get to um, just be with my characters I get to be with my stories I get to be with my art I get to do that and it was playtime like it's always playtime that's when it feels <laughs> the best um, and so if you've got a big idea you know you take it to take it from that idea to a, a finished thing it's really just about carving out that little time and even if you've got you know if you want to make it full-time one day you know it just starts out by like carving that little bit out even if you've got the full-time job or you got right. a part-time job. And I think that's probably the most important thing yeah, that any, every writer needs to do. Absolutely and even now I mean I still work as a freelancer and do illustration gigs and I teach part-time and, and then the rest of the time is mine so mm -hmm. I can work on that but it took 20 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you carved it out. Exactly but it started by just writing those notes on the train. Perfect well thanks Dirk. Um, thanks for coming in and sharing all your inspiration and all your knowledge about the writing process. And if anybody would like to join us in the Room to Write chair, uh, go to the roomtowrite.org and uh, send an email if you'd like to be part of the show.